whole church. And thank you very much for uh, the invitation that you extended to me to be here sharing from God's word. As Pastor said, this, uh, these evenings I'll be speaking in English, especially for the sake of the youngsters. So if you're free in the evenings, please join us for worship. I teach in All Nations Christian College, which is in England, and I have been serving there for the last 19 years, uh, teaching or trying to teach New Testament and Greek. And for me, it's a humbling experience to be part of a missionary training college. We have students from 28 nations last year. 50% of them come from Britain, 25% from European countries, and the rest of 25 from the rest of the world. We have students from the age of 22 till 68. Majority of them are professionals, doctors, nurses, dentists, physiotherapists, lawyers, teachers, engineers, and some of them resign their jobs or take leave from their work, come for a year, two or three, get trained and go to poorer parts of the world to serve as missionaries. And if you have a passion for mission, if you want to come and talk to me, please come and have a chat later on. We'll finish the meeting on time. I am from Britain. We'll be punctual. This morning service, <coughs> we focus on Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 24, on the topic of <coughs> walking in holiness. And we're moving on from there. <coughs> Some of you may not have that continuity. I'm sorry about that. But some of you who were here this morning service, you'll be able to follow from that transition. <clears throat> and in this session, I'm going to speak to you from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. We will have the scripture on the screen. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 to 32. Lifestyle of a believer.
Thank you very much. <clears throat> the lifestyle of a believer. In the previous section of the epistle in chapter 4 verses 17 through 24, we see Paul explaining the lifestyle of the old self, what we call the old man, the pagan lifestyle. <clears throat> In that section, he reminds the believers, efficient Christians, to walk in the unity of my, the, to walk in unity, and previously they walked in the futility of their mind. They had a darkened mind, they were alienated from God, and they lost all moral sensitivity and was given over to iniquity and impurity. Therefore, he reminded the believers, especially in verses 20 to 24, that they had to put on the new self or the new person. Here, in verses 25, we, you need to follow me closely. Verses 24 to 32, as time permits, we will try to explore the passage. In this section, we see five exhortations, but we may not have enough time to explore all those. We have five exhortations or admonitions that Paul gives in this passage. Please note, each exhortation has a negative aspect, a positive aspect, and a reason for it. Are you still with me? Five exhortations. Each exhortation has three aspects a negative aspect, a positive aspect, and the reason for <coughs> what he says. Let's start. Verse 25. Number one, the first exhortation. Verse 25. No falsehood. That is the negative. No falsehood, but speak the truth with his neighbor. That's the positive. And the reason, for we are members of one body. There's a negative aspect, positive aspect, and a reason for it. No falsehood, but speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, the way Paul starts here is that we need to lay aside, especially verse 22, we need to lay aside the soiled clothes. And having laid aside falsehood. That means lie is an old cloth. People tell lies before they come to Christ. According to God's word, Christians or believer in Christ should not tell a lie. Whether you call it a white lie or a black lie or an yellow lie, lie is a lie. We must not tell lie that is the old self. So Paul says we need to lay aside, meaning get rid of, meaning put off, meaning remove the old self, meaning here it is the falsehood. So he refers to the new life of a believer, laying aside the soiled clothes, and now he's moving to the application part. Our new conduct as a Christian should reflect our new identity. Our new life as a Christian 
must reflect our new identity here in this section the soiled cloth or the old self is called pseudos pseudos means false which includes not only falsehood but lie and swearing falsely that is falsehood jesus talks about this especially when he teaches the jewish crowd in john chapter 8 we will turn to that chapter 8 verse 44 john's in john's gospel john chapter 8 verse 44 jesus says the devil has nothing to do with the truth he lies and he is the father of lies that means truth and lie are at the opposite extreme either truth or lie or either god or devil there is no gray area either we are in the camp of god or in the camp of the devil jesus says the devil has nothing to do with the truth he lies and he is father of lies that means if we live with our old self of falsehood and lie we are drawing from demonic source when john writes his first epistle chapter 2 verse 27 he says the anointing that god gives us is real that means the anointing is not counterfeit meaning if a christian has the holy spirit meaning the anointing that is a true anointing it doesn't and that person doesn't have anything to do with the devil meaning a christian must not lie those who practice falsehood when we come to book of revelation brothers and sisters we all are anticipating to be in the new heaven and new earth yes are you this is what the scripture says revelation 21 verses 27 and also 22 chapter 22 verse 15 those who practice pseudos those who practice falsehood will not enter the new jerusalem brothers and sisters we cannot simply tell lies and to be to be anticipating that we will be in new heaven and new earth in new jerusalem no we will not be god will not allow any liars to be in heaven so paul says in in romans 125 the one who exchanges the truth for a lie is a sinful person we can't have both so the new person according to paul or a new believer should be genuine and real we cannot we can we may not be perfect but we can be real and there should not be any deception in us each one of us make a habit of speaking the truth <clears throat> why because in this epistle in chapter 1 verse 13 <clears throat> the
the gospel we heard is called the message of truth the holy spirit that is given to us is called the spirit of truth so the gospel is truth the holy spirit is truth and we heard in the original context the efficient christians heard and were taught the truth that is in christ jesus therefore paul says each one of you must put off falsehood meaning remove the soiled cloth of falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor and the reason is we are members of one body please not each one is singular that means everyone in the church has an individual responsibility don't say that it is somebody else each one should meaning we have an individual responsibility speaking to others when we speak to others in the christian community we need to speak truth because we are members of one body in chapter 4 we read earlier in verse 16 we read we need to speak the truth in love that's why it is written actually the best translation is truthing in love whether there is a vocabulary like that or not truthing in love meaning we must speak the truth in love so a negative which is put off falsehood positive tell the truth and the reason is we are members of one another member means limb or a member of a body it is never used in the context of an organization but of organism that means for we are the body and in order for the body to function truth must be spoken you might have heard of chrysostom one of the church fathers this is what he said if the eye sees a serpent a snake will it lie to the foot if the nose smells a deadly drug will it lie to the mouth if the tongue tastes something bitter will it lie to the stomach just as our human limb or organs functions so systematically in a well ordered fashion how much more we as the body of christ must function and speak the truth otherwise we are leading others to deception that lifestyle is not the lifestyle of a believer therefore brothers and sisters we must speak the truth with one another that's the first exhortation second exhortation we are moving on second exhortation verse 26 be angry and do not sin that doesn't give us a guarantee that we must always get angry okay be angry but we must not sin look at verse 26 in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold what is the negative what is the negative 
do not sin do not give the devil a foothold what is the reason when the anger is prolonged it can cause one to sin and no one should keep anger overnight here you get yogurt ready made in our ammachis make yogurt at home you know how they keep the milk hmm? overnight overnight and put the yeast or little curd little yogurt and they keep it overnight milk will be changed to yogurt all is use possibly using a similar imagery don't keep it for overnight it will turn to something else overnight alla how many nights have we kept how many nights have we kept anger and if we keep it overnight according to the scripture we are not christians and that is a challenge this morning in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold this is a quotation we don't have time to explain this is a quotation from psalms chapter 4 psalms 44 be angry meaning we can provoke to anger irritate we can tremble with anger but we must not sin we must not miss the mark and the reason is when anger is prolonged it can cause one to sin and no one should keep anger overnight meaning settle it before the next day if you have something between you and another believer or maybe in a family setting husband and wife you may be sleeping on the same bed but communication doesn't take place you keep things overnight you are purposely deliberately giving the devil to come and stay in your family life it will turn to something else don't give the devil a foothold settle it before the next day the danger of prolonged anger is that it is an opportunity paul uses the word topos meaning a place it is a place for the devil to come and harbor you are purposely giving the devil a place to sit so nammal parayum we may say we don't have any devil at home but you are purposely giving the opportunity and the time and the space for the devil to come and sit there and do his work if we don't forgive it is an opportunity or place for the devil the accuser the adversary the enemy and he can cause divisions in family life he can cause division in the church therefore do not give place to the devil that is the second exhortation we are moving on to the third exhortation do not steal verse 28 do not steal that is negative what is the positive work 
to give but work but work do not steal but work this is about meeting physical need anyone who has been stealing must not long must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their own hands what is the reason the reason is that they may have something to share with those in need the literal meaning of this passage in verse 28 do not steal meaning stop stealing that is the way the grammar is used there that means the believers started to steal another example is jesus says to mary mary don't touch me i haven't gone to the father don't touch me means she already touched the literal translation is don't keep on touching me don't hold on to me that is the usage here means stop stealing that was the old cloth the old self stop stealing because they have put off the old nature and its conduct do not steal instead let people begin and continue to labor living life with much effort and labor and paul says we need to work hard with our own hands in the correct conduct for believers paul this uses this from his own example in acts 20 he says in the farewell speech i was with you for 3 years he says that to the efficient christians to the same christians i worked with my own hands i worked with my own hands i haven't coveted anybody anyone's silver gold or any copper any money i have worked with my own hand so when he says about an exhortation he is doing it from his own life so the reason is that it can benefit those who are in need that is the physical need share with the needy it meet the physical needs so far i have explained three exhortation are you still with me everybody fourth exhortation we are making good progress words 29 do not use corrupt words but edify with words do not use corrupt words but edification that is not that is that is not physical need but spiritual need i will come to that in a minute look at verse 29 do not let anyone do not let any unwholesome talk that is niv unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen here we have a negative a positive and a reason for doing so in verse 25 paul urged the believers that they should not speak lies here in verse 29 he says that they should not speak unwholesome words what does this mean unwholesome the word used there is a very strong word meaning corrupt rotten useless worthless 
unprofitable actually this is a word used for spoiled vegetables and meats for example a vegetable is spoiled for 10 15 20 days or meat is spoiled and the smell that comes out of that spoiled food food was good once but once it was spoiled you need to put on a mask very bad odor very bad smell that is the word used there paul says you are a believer and when you speak no such corrupt words come out of your mouth that means when people hear that words they can't even believe that a believer speaks like that brothers and sisters i know that our children our youngsters live in america in a western nation there is a saying that when you go to a land where they eat snakes you must eat the main portion of the snake yes ne pullarku arithilla adu that's the saying chere thinna naati chennal nadum thundam thinnanam that means when you go to a land where they eat snakes don't go for tail or head but go to the middle bit the, the best bit there is another saying when you are in rome do as the romans do that means you assimilate yourself with the culture and do exactly what they do but remember that is not what the scripture teaches us there are vocabularies in this nation in the western world starting with yes f and so many other words even when our own people start talking they talk such languages brothers it is called sarpos meaning unwholesome talk that is rotten husband and wife children you must not have such words in the family they are called sarpos meaning unwholesome spoiled words we need to have a heavenly culture this is the word that jesus uses to explain something please listen matthew chapter 7 verses 17 through 20 matthew 7 17 through 20 jesus says likewise every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree that is the word bad tree rotten corrupt a bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire thus by their fruit they will recognize them in matthew's gospel this words is talking about false teachers but listen to matthew chapter 13 48 once again the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish i'm reading from matthew chapter 13 verses 48 onwards when it was full the fishermen pulled it up on the shore then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets and threw the bad sarpos 
they threw the bad away this is not something to keep brothers this is something to throw away so paul says let's come back to verse 29 stop speaking unwholesome words meaning stop the action continuing do not speak evil or bad words speak only that which is good for the building up of what is lacking building up of the need every person speaking every word must be good word and individual believer and every single good word that means good words coming out of our mouth meet the needs of what is lacking in the lives of other people so it leads to spiritual growth earlier it was physical need here it meets spiritual need and the reason it might give grace to those who hear that means it meets the spiritual needs of the believers words 29 meeting spiritual need and words 28 meeting the physical need before we come to the fifth exhortation there is some more thing attached to this words 29 do not grieve the holy spirit of god with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption do not grieve the holy spirit words 30 the word grieve the word used there is used for intense labor pain i have no idea what that is the achayanmar here don't have any idea but ask the ladies who gave birth they will explain the intense labor pain that is the word that paul uses here let's translate it do not grieve the holy spirit of god meaning do not give labor pain to the holy spirit you understand that do not cause pain do not cause sorrow do not cause distress to the holy spirit why because when we use sarpos when we use corrupt words unwholesome talk what happens it grieves the holy spirit so let no bad word come out of your mouth and do not grieve the holy spirit of god meaning stop grieving the holy spirit he is a person unwholesome talks stop spiritual growth brothers and sisters unwholesome talk unnecessary talk stops spiritual growth of believers and grieve the holy spirit also the reason is with the same holy spirit you are sealed for the day of redemption this is repeated in chapter 1 words 13 ephesians 1:13 when you believe you were marked in him with a seal the promise of the holy spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are god's possession to the praise of his glory that means we received the seal god is our owner seal represents belongingness and ownership sealed for the purpose 
of the day of redemption. We are redeemed and we will be redeemed. We have four more minutes and I will be able to finish the fifth exhortation that is in verses 31 and 32. Do not be malicious, but edify in action. Get rid of all bitterness, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Get rid of bitterness. Verse 31, please look at it. Get rid of bitterness, meaning put away the following. Put away, meaning remove, again remove. Believers cannot change the behavior by themselves. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Every kind, get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. I have to explain all these ingredients, bad ingredients, but I don't have the time to explain all those. I'm going to stop. Bitterness is another word is sharp arrow, sharp arrow. If we have bitterness towards another brother, what we have is a sharp, we are carrying a sharp arrow. Sharp arrow, bitterness. Brothers, this is not the lifestyle of a believer. Anger, another one. The word is, you know, something related to nose. Anger is very near. Passion, boiling up of anger. Wrath, state of anger. Shouting, shouting. In New Jerusalem, there is no crying. That's the word used. No shouting. So don't practice it here. We won't do it there. And blasphemy, meaning the abusive speech. And finally, evil, meaning misery or wickedness. I'm going to stop. Last words, be kind and compassionate to one another. Just as God in Christ forgave us. There is a translation correction there. In Malayalam, and in English, it is written, just as God in Christ forgave you. Forgive one another. Actually, the word is not forgiveness. The word is showing grace. So we need to translate it as, be compassionate to one another. Give grace to one another. Just as in Christ, God gave grace to us. That word grace I need to explain, but I don't have the time to explain. We were dead. We were children of wrath. We were away from God, alienated. But God, who is rich in mercy, forgave us. He lavished his love upon us, and he made us his children. Oh, what a grace is that, that God saved us. What a love with which God saved us. Therefore, because God gave us grace, we must also give grace to one another. That is the quality of a believer. That is the lifestyle of a believer. Let's all stand up for a minute. We are going to finish with a word of prayer. You have heard 
God's word this morning. Not to do things, but to do certain things and the reason for it. If there is anything in your life this morning that you think has taken root, this is the time to pluck it out by the power of the Holy Spirit. May your words, our words, bring grace to those who hear. Father, this morning we come before you seeking your help from above. Cleanse us this morning, Father, by the power of your Spirit that we will live a life worthy of our call in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.